the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Since Rob Black and your money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Good morning. Happy October 8, 2013 to you. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. 800 1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800 1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Tip the hat to my mom. Uh, good golly, what is there to really talk about today? Oh, yeah, the stock market's still in the news, isn't it? Um, we're going to talk later today with Patrick O'Hare. Chief Market Analyst with Briefing.com. But one of the things I do want to talk about, again, is the whole what's going on on Wall Street. Why do you care? What does it mean to you? Uh, Government shutdown. Government shutdown. How much is that going to play into the stock market cracking or not? We seem to be dipping a little bit, but not a lot. And that's interesting to note. Wall Street's kind of treating this as a buying opportunity. Why is that interesting? You would imagine a little bit more calamity, but there's just not a lot of crisis in this crisis. Does that make any sense? I don't know. Let's talk about you know the big picture here. Not the best of starts to the week. Stocks were kind of blah yesterday. Pessimism tied towards the debt ceiling in the budget. Washington seems to be playing a carefully crafted game of media relations with the public, where some people think it's very serious, others think it's just a facade that they're putting on. A little bit more volatility yesterday. Some people want the market to go down 10% so Congress finally wakes up and gets something done. There's no doubt about it in my mind that our country needs to deal with entitlement programs. So I'm going to give a point to the Republicans and say, you know, you know what, you should stand up here. And yeah, you should use whatever terrorism mechanism you can, i.e., we're not going to raise the debt ceiling. Until we have serious talks about this. 
In my lifetime, I've seen our deficit swell. There's a deficit clock in New York uh, Times Square, in New York City, and it's astounding how much debt we run up as a nation. If that were you, you wouldn't be my friend. If you were my brother and you had that kind of debt, I'd be ashamed of you. Now, we have the ability to service a great deal of debt, and that's good, too. And, you know, given the Democrats a point here, hey, things shouldn't be dealt with this way, but things should be dealt with at some point. Social Security, it's going to become insolvent in my lifetime. Medicaid, going to become insolvent in my lifetime. So these entitlement programs, which... You know, if you're 50-plus, you're like pro-entitlement programs. If you're under 50, you're like, we can't continue this. This is craziness. Instead of giving the government a tax out of my my paycheck for Social Security, if they were to say, you know what, Rob, you're totally on your own when you turn 60, but you go and invest your own money, we're not going to take any of it from you. I'm in. I'm in. With that said... Maybe the the right answer is somewhere along the lines of, hey, Rob, why don't you not pay taxes on your income in retirement and you just don't take Social Security? Maybe I'd be in. Like, you have to start doing some of the math here. Like, where where do we start the pain? Is it under a Republican Congress? Is it under a Democrat Congress? Is it under a Republican president? Is it under a Democrat president? Who's going to take the fall when we change our entitlement programs, when we push the age up? Boehner's trying to get a conversation going, and Democrats are saying, you know what? We don't deal with terrorists. It's U.S. policy, and we're not dealing with terrorists. It's kind of fun to watch from a distance. Um, It's kind of sad, too, because a lot of people are starting to lose confidence in the greatness of our country. Um, What do we talk about here? Um, I guess we could probably hit some of the other stories that are in the news, because there's definitely more than one today. Uh, We will continue to deal with the public uh, perception of the government shutdown. Alcoa, Yum Brands, they report today after the earnings, after the close of the bell, after the close of the market. That's important to do in large part because we're kicking off earnings season. And will Yum Brands come out and say, you know, People not going to work is killing our business. Alcoa, you know, we're not getting the defense contract spending that we expected to see this time of year. We'll start hearing about how the shutdown's truly playing out in the economy. J.P. Morgan Chase is a big one on Friday. J.C. Penney, company's up six percent. They had such a bad run under Ron Johnson when he tried to like basically gut the company and reinvent it in dramatic style that probably for the next year there's going to be some pretty decent numbers. And again, it's decent from awful. Okay, so let's say you're an Olympic sprinter and you could run a four-minute mile. Then you break your leg and you're basically running, a, you know, for the first year, a 12-minute mile, second quarter of that year, maybe a 10-minute mile. Maybe then you get to eight, you're getting back into shape and you're down to a six-minute mile. Maybe there's a chance you get back to a four-minute mile. Now, again, you had to go backwards to go forwards. And that's the comparables, the comp sales numbers that come out of JCPenney's. Now, on the other side of that fence, JCPenney's may never come back. In large part, maybe this economic shutdown of the government 
is the final nail in their coffin, per se. And actually, that's kind of morbid, dude. It is kind of morbid. Um, let's see what else do we have out there today. Alcatel Lucent is going to cut 10,000 jobs worldwide. That's a lot of people. Lucent used to be a dominant company. And now they're, eh. They're kind of an afterthought at best. Amazon received, I mean, have you thought in the last five years I want to invest in Alcatel Lucent? Probably not. Jamba. Jamba Juice, the smoothie restaurant operator. Full year comp store sales expected to be flat to 1% higher. They had projected to see a 5.1% rise in same store sales. CEO is seeing a challenging operating environment. McKesson is in talks to buy German drug distributor Celesio for $5 million. Tower Group, um, they've increased their loss reserves by $365 million, significantly higher than previously indicated. Amazon received a favorable court ruling in a dispute with IBM over a cloud computing services contract awarded to Amazon by the CIA. IBM said it would appeal it. Got a big event coming up, Money 101, all things financial from 9 to noon in Walnut Creek. Coming up Saturday the 26th, Saturday the 26th of October. Later that afternoon, I'm going to be doing a Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning event with CFP Chad Burton. You can sign up for either or event if you're creating wealth and you're basically under 50. Money 101. If you're accumulating wealth, if you're managing it, starting to think about retirement, you want the afternoon session. Sign up at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. We'll take a break here. I'll be right back. It's Rob Black and your money on the Wall Street Business Network. In your smile and dental health, call the dental office of Dr. Shirley Bean. And the only market that we're seeing that a little bit of a bounce. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in, Rob Black and Your Money. Rob Black. Google unveiled a new HP laptop today for $279. Kind of goofy when you say Google unveiled an HP laptop. Many, many years ago, pre-2000, the big story in tech was the sub $2,500 computer, which became the com- computer that was under 2000 which became the computer under 1500 which became who's going to break the $1,000 barrier, who's going to break the 750 500 Now we're at a pretty high-end featured laptop for $279. I just have to think the big loser here is Microsoft. Joining me now, Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst, Briefing.com. Patrick, how are you? Whoops. Joining me now, not Patrick O'Hare. Um, let's see what we got here. Oh, we got the SP 500 down one. We got the Dow down 18, the NASDAQ down seven. Welcome in. 
to a moment with Shakespeare. Macbeth once said, to get points or not to get points. Okay, so that's not true. But that's a question that people have. To be or not to be, another question they have is, should I buy points when I get a mortgage? When I get a loan, should I pay money to get a lower cost loan? It, I mean, that almost sounds like a scam. That almost sounds too good to be true. It's an odd concept that you have to pay to lower your rate. Points, paying for points. Pay, uh, point is equal to a percentage of your loan amount. So if you're paying one point, that's 1%. If it's $400,000 loan, that's $4,000 extra. So if, But if paying that point drops your rate by a quarter percent and you save $150 a month, divide 4000 by 150 and that's how many months it takes for you to recoup those costs. So if you keep it longer than that, those months, let's say it's 33 months, and you plan on keeping that house for seven years, 84 months, you're going to benefit every month after that. So it's an investment into your loan. Um, a lot of people use uh, points when rates are going up or if it's in a purchase and the seller is giving them some concessions because on a purchase, all of your costs are out of your pocket, the down payment plus your closing costs. So the best way to get some additional costs is either from the rate, which is the opposite of paying points, or from the seller. So if the seller is giving you some concessions in cash, you can use that to pay points, which pays off over the long term. So somebody else is paying you you for having a lower rate. I recently got an email from someone who was going through a refi and says, I've never paid points. And that was interesting because I was like, I've always paid points. And I, I look at it as buying them. It's buying a cheaper loan. And if I'm going to be in the house or if I'm going to have a rental for more than two, three years, typically the math's going to work out that it's worth it, especially in low interest rate environments. So you're getting lower interest rates. Right. And the people who don't pay points are actually at a higher rate than if they actually paid some costs. So th- this brings me to um, my issue I have with banks and other kinds of brokers and bankers that don't give options out. They're looking at the mass amount of people out there looking to refinance or purchase a house and saying, oh, we're going to give you low costs. In reality, they may not be doing the right service to this borrower when they should have paid a point, and it would have saved them money on a longer term. So they're not really qualifying. They're looking at those emotions, of, uh, and they're looking at, at a formula that says, if we advertise this, we're going to get more return on our uh, on our clients. So make sure that when you do look at a loan, look at all of the options. As a matter of fact, the new rules that came out last year make brokers uh, explain that if you paid points, this would be your lowest rate. If you don't pay points, this is the rate. And by the way, I'm choosing this rate. So it's called a, it's part of the anti-steering rule where we're not steering you into a product that's making you, us more money and costing you more money. So be very careful about somebody who says no points. That also means you're taking a higher rate. I always find it um, intimidating, the process of getting a loan, because at some point in time, you look at the cost you look at how much you're borrowing. You're looking at how long it's going to take to pay off. So I, that's the area that I think most people talk themselves out of points. And I really, really want people to run both the scenarios. Uh, because, yes, when you look at that, that final sheet of how much stuff costs and how many pieces of paper you're going to have to sign, you know, I've paid attorneys to sign for me because I don't like mortgages, mortgage paperwork that much. I'm just like, you go sign for me. Um, you get it done. Um, well, I guess what I'm trying to say here is don't get intimidated by the process and know that points – generally, in my opinion, are a good thing to consider. Uh, If you think you're going to be moving the next year or two, no. 
But then again, if you think you're going to be moving the next year or two, a 30-year mortgage isn't appropriate for you either. Right, and you could do the same thing by getting an arm, uh, like a five-year arm. If you're going to leave in two years, get a five-year arm or a three-year arm. You're going to get a lower rate to begin with and then do a no point, and your rate's lower as if you were to pay points on a 30-year. So but that freaks people out because what if I can't sell the property in three to five years on the arm and I can't refinance, and I can't, and the rates go, right. like, oh the, rate, oh, the rates went higher. Like, people freak out. Yep. And, uh, we're all going to die. <laughs> Earth is going to go hurtling in the sun at some point in time, and I just don't think life Aren't is. Aren't we getting closer to the sun every year? I, now you're freaking me out. You're listening to Tony Mendez. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Will Farrell's staying classy as Ron Burgundy. In Dodge Durango ads, what's interesting to note about that is how much marketing has to work now in order to to reach people. Burgundy was incredibly quotable, um, the first movie, um, problematically so. So to get Will Ferrell, who kind of hits that demographic of younger people who have some disposable income or disposable income decisions... Um, it's interesting to note. Uh, I think it's a smart move. I don't know squadoosh about Dodge Durango's. So you get a 1970s pitchman talking about all these new features, and it makes kind of sense of how awe-inspiring LEDs on a bumper could be, how you can fit 190 packs of gum into the glove compartment. Glove compartments aren't that important to me, but now I'm talking about a glove compartment. So, I don't know. We'll see. I'm I'm exhausted. <laughs> oh, I'm so looking forward to the holidays. Hopefully you are, too. I like the holidays because it forces you to take a little bit of time off to enjoy your loved ones, especially yourself. Um, I like camping, but as the year goes on, it gets a little bit too cold for me. And uh, I like not having that, that cell phone. I like having it in a place where it doesn't work. It's so refreshing. I once dated a woman many years ago. She said, you know what's refreshing about you is you never look at your phone. Interesting, right? Unless I'm playing Candy Crush. Candy Crush. Coming up, Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst, Briefing.com. We'll take a break here. I'll be right back. Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Let's bring in Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst, Briefing.com. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, Rob. Doing fine, thanks. Are you a little surprised by the lack of a massive sell-off in lieu of or in front of the economic shutdown? 
Right. Um, you know, not really. Um, and I say that only because, uh, you know, the market's mindset uh, that has been uh, fortified by, you know, easy Federal Reserve policy is that, uh, you know, worst case scenarios are, are not allowed to happen. And and even in that respect, uh, you know, the market uh, market participants are tend to rely on the, the precedent that we saw in 2011 that while the debt ceiling negotiation then was very nasty, and even though you saw a sell-off, you did see a quick, you know, snapback. Uh, and uh, you know, the the conventional wisdom is basically that you know something's going to get done because we can't afford to uh, default on the debt, obviously. And so, um, so there's a little bit of complacency. Well, there's a lot of complacency in the idea that nothing bad will happen here. <laughs> It's interesting to note that I do this show out of San Francisco, the Bay Area, so we have two types of politics. We've got liberals and we've got Democrats. We don't even discuss Republicans here. Right. So this national debate is problematic um, to try to bring to the forefront of my strongest listener base, even though it's nationally uh, streamed. Um, the Republicans have a right to say entitlement programs are going to fail and we need to look at these beasts, i.e. government spending, but it doesn't sell terribly well to the media or to the common person. Um, are you at all worried about these public entitlements that, again, the mathematics we've known since we were children are out of control? Yeah. Well, you know, you have to be. And, uh, you know, when you look at it on a longer-term basis and even what, you know, the, the – you know the uh, nonpartisan congressional budget office is saying about the uh, long-term challenges that are going to be presented with these entitlement programs. You know, basically the warning signs are out there that you know some type of reform has to be enacted to really you know keep you know the debt and the deficit from getting out of control. Um, you know, there will be a price to pay. Uh, you know, in the future, if um, you know if we can't figure something out to try to you know rein in costs and and uh, you know, try to figure things out here. And, the, you know, the, the problem, to your point, though, is why, you know, the general public, you know, doesn't tend to concentrate on those things is because, you know, everyday people, you know, we're worried about, you know, uh, what's coming tomorrow, you know, uh, when the next paycheck's coming in. And so there's a understandably a, a myopic focus when it comes to some of these budget issues that are front and center in the media and what people read about in the newspaper every day. And it's kind of a a situation where, um, you know, you don't know something's bad until you finally, you know, hit that point somewhere down the road. And when you hit it, it can be really bad. And you can say, well, you know, what were we thinking? Well, we need to be thinking about those things now so we don't ever get to that point where you have to ask that uh, very disturbing question. So where do you think we are in November 2013 after, I guess, most of us think that something will get resolved? Yeah, um, you know, I think that uh, there is a chance that we, you know, maybe where we are right now uh, in terms of the level of the market, um, you know, I, I think that with respect to what we're hearing out of Washington at the moment, um, you know, I'm not, I don't have a breakthrough view here. I think it will come down to the last minute. Um, I see a risk, uh, maybe a small risk, but it's there that you might get a situation where you get past that October 17th deadline that's been laid out there by Treasury Secretary Liu, and, you know, everyone kind of sits there who's been complacent in the thought that something will get done by October 17th and says, wait a minute, you know, that didn't happen, uh, and, you know, maybe you get, 
the potential is there. You get one of those scary sell-offs like we saw when uh, the first go-round with TARP was voted down uh, and the market, you know, fell precipitously in the wake of that vote. And then, you know, a few days later, Congress came back, voted in favor of TARP, and things, you know, tried to stabilize. And so you could get a, a little bit of a panicky moment potentially, uh, but, uh, you know, the market is probably going to keep sort of chopping around here right up until October 17th as it really banks on that idea that something will get done without a, uh, a real scary moment. So today starts earnings season, kickoff per se. We get uh, Alcoa, we get Yum Brands. Can they tell us anything positive? Can they be a catalyst on the upside? Um, you know, I don't know if uh, if those two companies in particular could. Um, you know, Yum Brands has a, a very large presence in China. Uh, it is, you know, the largest quick service restaurant operator in the world. So, um, so there's, you know, some interesting information that's going to come out of that Yum Brands report. Um, we don't see it as a quote market moving report. Alcoa, by the same token, uh, as we've seen for some time now, uh, it gets a lot of attention because it, you know, is uh, the first one out of the gate or was the first Dow component out of the gate, but it's been kicked out of the Dow now. So, uh, and even when it was in the Dow, the market didn't tend to really, you know, overreact to Alcoa's earnings information. We think really what you know, people are, are going to be more uh, preoccupied with is the uh, earnings results that are coming out of the, the financial sector, which uh, really gets the ball rolling in the earnings reporting season, starting with the J.P. Morgan and Wells Fargo reports before the open on Friday and then continuing into next week with the likes of Citigroup and Bank of America and, uh, you know, the big investment banks reporting their results. So um, that will be interesting to see and, and could set the tone uh, for the remainder of the season because the financial sector uh, has, in the recent past anyway, been able to check in with some much better than expected earnings growth numbers that have sort of underpinned that idea that, uh, you know, the participants are willing to, you know, buy on these uh, dips that occur in front of an earnings reporting season. It's interesting to note earnings seasons right here, right now. And Howard Schultz said something kind of interesting this morning from Starbucks. He basically told CEOs, you got to start putting the heat on a little bit. you got to start telling uh, your story about how the sequester and the shutdown and the debt ceiling is hurting your, you know, your business. Uh, what do you think about Schultz becoming kind of an activist, per se? Well, you know, um, everyone's obviously entitled to their opinion. I think, mm-hmm. you know, when I hear something like that, it's, 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 to me as a, you know, marketing analyst, I, I think it's, it, it speaks to the larger issue of just how, how bad the dysfunction is in Washington that our prominent CEOs have to spend their time trying to rally the troops to tell Congress to do its job, you know, rather than trying to, you know, stay focused, uh, you know, 100% on running their own businesses, you know, um, it's a distraction. And, and, and that's the issue here. This shutdown may end, you know, within a week or so. But at the end of the day, businesses don't have that confidence to reinvest in their businesses to hire more people if they think this dysfunction is going to linger. And it's really unfortunate, I think, that, you know, a CEO like Mr. Schultz or anyone is going to have to take time out of their day to really, you know, uh, get more focused on 
the political aspect here uh, rather than uh, doing what they do so well in, in terms of running their, their businesses. What are you working on right now, Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst, Briefing.com? What are you working on that we should be paying attention to? Great. Well, you know, two things on my radar. One, I'm, you know, working on a, a third quarter um, earnings preview. Um, like I said, you know, things don't while J.P. Morgan gets things started here uh, on Friday, the, the real rush comes out next week. And, you know, once again, you've seen the earnings growth bar lowered in front of those reports. Um, according to facts that, you know, analysts are looking for about 3% growth out of the S&P 500, which is down from 6.5% as of June 30th. Um, you know, and one of the curious things about that is that, you know, we typically see estimates get trimmed in front of those reports. This time around, we saw that, but the the amount of the decline was about 3% in terms of the actual uh, bottoms-up earnings estimate for the third quarter, compared to an average decline of about 6% over the last 20 quarters. So while numbers have come down, they haven't come down by as much as we've seen in past quarters. So what I'm driving at here is that the earnings growth bar has been lowered, but you know, there are some questions here. There's the potential for disappointment that these companies may not be able to hurdle that lowered earnings growth bar because the numbers haven't been trimmed as significantly as past quarters. So it'll be interesting to watch that and obviously, you know, hearing what they say in terms of their outlooks since we're not getting any economic data these days with the government shutdown. Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare, briefing.com, providing independent live market analysis of the U.S. and international equity markets. I love his work. Um, many of the writers and the staff and the analyst at briefing.com, I, I dig. Not all of them. I'm not a day trader, so their day trading service kind of misses me, but that's okay. It's not meant to, you know. You, uh, It's a, a big old chicken, and you can go for the, the white meat or the dark meat. depends on what flavor you like, per se. Um, check out briefing.com. It's briefing.com. It's Patrick O'Hara, who I've been reading his stuff for, I don't even want to tell you how many years at this point in time. I'm officially at the age where I'm trying to look younger or stay on the younger side, but it ain't working, is it? Um, there was an interesting interview last night. If you didn't see it, John Stewart talking Obamacare with a cabinet member from the Obama administration. And it's, it just shows you the talking points that people stick by in this day and age. Who you would think Stuart would be very friendly towards, he was frustrated with. Hey, listen, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at robblack.com. Big event coming up in Walnut Creek, end of October. much as what you're paying for it now. Here's your change. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. It's always interesting coming to work. Uh, especially with Wall Street being what it is these days. And political headlines being so dramatic. There's a billionaire entrepreneur who is heavy into real estate named Samzel. He was on CNBC this morning, and one of the things that he said that was intriguing to me was the Tea Party represents a significant percent of the voting population. And for the media to treat it like it's some kind of disease is unfair. 
Tea Party is a reaction to an imperial White House. The idea that they're treated as though they're crazy is ridiculous and not very representative of a democratic society. That's fair. I think Occupy Wall Street needed leadership. If Occupy Wall Street is to the liberal or democratic side what the Tea Party is to the Republican conservative side. Commenting on the standoff of the government shutdown and the looming debt crisis ceiling, Zell said, the way in which it's being postured is as though the president sits on high and says, I will not negotiate. And everybody's expected to lay down. I don't understand that. You might remember when President Barack Obama got elected. He did it on a very sweeping platform six years ago of change and that he's going to change the way whites and blacks interact with each other. He's going to change the way the poor and the rich interact with each other. He's going to change the way the Republicans and Democrats interact with each other. And at this point in time, Boehner, Speaker of the House, is saying, I am not going to negotiate. Um, Obama's saying, I'm not going to negotiate. Boehner says, you know, no lines are drawn in the sand. And Obama's saying, I'm not going to negotiate. The president is elected to negotiate. That's the interesting thing about this. He's supposed to represent the people, all the people. Not just his party, but all the people. We treat the Tea Party like there's some kind of disease, so said Zell. Can you imagine the press vilifying the ACLU, American Civil Liberties? It's interesting to note. It's just how do you market yourself, and who do you market yourself to, and what your outlet is. Um... Sam Zell runs a lot of businesses, and he says, it's true that business is better than it was in 2009, but that's like comparing cancer to leprosy. 2009 was horrific. It's definitely better today, but we're a long way from being a robust economy. The Republicans have a right, and the Tea Parties have a right to say, you know, our deficit's a problem. Even you have to understand that and say it is a problem. Even if you disagree with that side we can't continue to spend. I mean, we have a problem with poverty in the United States where I did a class in college. And uh, it was a class on entitlements. It was a class on uh, how do you help people out who are poor? You know, where do you give unemployment? Where do you not give unemployment? And it was interesting to note that my professor worked under the Carter administration. And, uh, you know, in college, you kind of like you start lining up, are you Republican or a Democrat? Are you, you know, pro-wealth, poor? You know, you start, li- you start lining up on the stuff. And welfare is just a, a damnation game. Because it, in our country, it's so big, it comes from all different sides. The part of welfare that we don't like are the people who could have jobs that don't want jobs. Or the people that, you know, just get stuck in that rut of welfare. Uh, for their whole life. A friend of mine, her sister, um, doesn't work. Doesn't want to work. Sits at home and lets her uh, girlfriend take care of her. Uh, gets bigger and bigger and bigger. That's a bit of a problem, right? It is. 
So the problem with welfare in the United States is that there is no solution because it's a statewide solution, not a federal solution. So Social Security, absolutely. Some people don't, don't need it, and absolutely they should pay into it. But if you pay into it with the promise that you're going to get paid out, you should get paid out. Um, I'll have enough money when I retire that I don't need Social Security. I'll take it, though, because I played into it, and I was told I'd, I'd get money out. I'll give it to charity, I'll give it to whoever, but yeah, yeah. Welfare is a problem because the 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 person without a job in West Virginia is different than the person who's insane, who's lost their mind due to too many drugs in California, who's totally different than the divorcee in Texas, who's totally different than the... Like, that's the problem with welfare. So, we've spent a lot of money on this issue, a lot of money as a nation. And a lot of it's not done properly, and it makes people better. So, anyway, um, that's what the Republicans are fighting about right now, in theory, is that we can't continue to promise people stuff that we won't be able to deliver. Right now, it takes two millennials to support one baby boomer in retirement. In ten years, it's going to take four millennials to support one baby boomer in retirement. That's, you know that's a house of cards. Yes, especially since the millennials are the highest unemployed in America. They're the latest to get into their careers ever. So they're, they've not, they're not saving. They're going to be a problem. Good news is our planet hurtles into the sun one day. Bad news is we're going to have a lot of social issues before then. The SP 500 is down 7, sitting at 1668. The Dow is down 60, sitting at 14,875. The NASDAQ down 39, sitting at 3730. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back. You're listening to Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Got two events coming up. One for Wealth Creation, Money 101 in Walnut Creek. It's for people basically 40, 45 or under. Everything that you need to know about money taught in one day in three hours. Uh, and then there's Wealth Preservation in the afternoon. You can sign up for that at robblack.com. It's robblack.com coming up October 26th, Saturday. Savvy investors know where to find the best possible investment advice. And according to the financial experts at U.S. News & World Report, one of the best podcasts is locally grown. AM 1220 Hertz at U.S. News & World Report. Rob Black, your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. We live in complicated times. I don't think it's as easy to get ahead and make ends meet as it used to be. I think more Americans struggle with finding their image of what life should be versus what they get. I've always said that the toughest thing is the distance between what you expect versus what you settle for to be the reality of your life. That's the toughest thing to accept. Uh, And it sprang from an idea that I had in college. It's the distance between your dreams and your reality. Um, Samsung loses a bid for Obama veto of Apple One import ban. The Korean company argued the ban ordered by the U.S. International Trade Commission should be overturned on public policy grounds. Samsung must stop importing some models of smartphones and tablet computers in the U.S. after President Barack Obama upheld a ban one by Apple. Interesting, right? It's a very limited number of products. Um, the order expressly states that these devices and any other Samsung electronic media devices incorporating the approved design around technologies are not covered. 
Samsung versus Apple. I don't really think the big battle is going to be Samsung versus Apple. I think the big battle is going to be Apple versus Google. You've already seen what Google's done to Microsoft and the operating system. There was a day when we were like, ooh, the operating system. Sexy. But we're not there now. Now it's just, it's a utility. It's an annoyance. It's, it better work like it's supposed to. It's like when you you lose power, you're like, man, electric company better get that power back up. So Google released Docs, which you basically got to be online. You basically use their platform, and it's cheap. Slowly but surely gaining acceptance. Microsoft's probably biggest advantage in the last 10 years has started to deteriorate. The biggest advantage is I don't know how to use. For years and years and years, Apple fought that battle of people didn't know how to use their operating system. So they were afraid to switch. I was one of them. I'm still not super fast on, you know, switching screens and because I was I've been so brainwashed. The other player in the world of tech that I think is a uh, here to stay in the battle of PCs and the battle of notebooks and the battle of phones, tablets, is Amazon. It's interesting to note that there was a day when Cisco always worked its way higher. Intel always worked its way higher. Dell and Microsoft always worked their way higher. And now if you look at the last 10 years of those companies, not so much. They've been replaced by Facebook, LinkedIn, Netflix, and Tesla. Facebook up 90% this year. LinkedIn up 106%. Netflix up 243%. Dell up, I'm sorry, Tesla up 440%. We've seen this movie before. <laughs> it's going to end the same way. All of those guys will eventually slow. Of the four, I like Facebook the most, followed by LinkedIn. Netflix has a very high cost of business by acquiring movies, but as they gain more and more subscribers and as they raise prices, they will be able to set up a, a moat and protect themselves. Not grow, but protect themselves. A lot like that moat was set up around Microsoft. And look how it's slowly been eroded by Google's operating system and documents. Google unveiled an HP computer today, $279 laptop. And it is, if you look at the specs, it's kick, it's kick butt. It's kick butt. So, uh, government shutdown, day eight, I think. I think I'm probably losing people the more I talk about it. So maybe I just won't talk about it. AARP. They published a list this month of the best places to retire on $30,000 a year. That's fascinating to me. Baby boomers are typically half a million dollars short when it comes to how much they've saved for retirement. So they have to cut their expectations. Uh, nearly a third say they wouldn't be able to live comfortably in retirement without Social Security benefits. The average couple receives $2,000 a month in benefits before getting taxed. And after you pay health care costs, it comes out to about $12,000 a year. Working on that premise, people spend one-third of their income on housing. So AARP went out and started to find the cheapest places that you can get the most bang for your buck. 
And I like that thought. You know, um, you're looking for lower home prices. Bangor, Maine. If you like hiking, if you like water activities, Bangor's lively art scene for seniors. Pocatello, Idaho. That's the one that struck me as strange on this. Like Greenville, South Carolina. I get it. It's southern city. Grand Rapids, Michigan. I get it. Uh, not a lot going on there. You can catch a hockey game here and there, a blues festival here and there. But Pocatello, Idaho. You want to consider the town, population 88,000, median home price 120,000. Skiing, hiking, biking, horseback, water sports, whitewater rafting. So AARP said, you know, let's blend in inexpensive entertainment with lifestyle, with restaurants, with home prices and property taxes. And those are your five cheapest cities. And Daytona Beach is number one. You can grab tacos on Daytona's North Beach. You can go fishing in the Atlantic. How outdoorsy do you want to be? And like, for instance, I think there's two parts of retirement. There's the first 10 to 15 years, and there's the last 10 to 15 years. And the first 10 to 15, you do want access to airports. You do want access to, you know, enjoying your lifestyle. Last 10 to 15, hopefully, you still have lifestyle, but many don't. So there you go, AARP talking retirement. I know you're saying that was the most uplifting segment you've ever done. Now I want to die. Okay, okay, okay. I'm not going to talk about the new $100 bill. I'll talk a lot, but I won't talk that. Um, Shout out to my mom. Many, many years ago, she gave birth to me on this day. I wouldn't be here without her. Numerous times saving me. Um, So shout out to my mom on my birthday. So I'll give her a call a little bit later today and reminisce about what a great kid I was and who's her favorite kid. I made my mom play Sophie's Choice every day. You know, who do you love more, me or David? Uh, Jabba feeling the consumer squeeze. That's one of the stories out there. Ten-year Treasury sits at 2.64%. So it's come down as the government's done their thing. SP 500's down 7 today. The Dow's down 53. The NASDAQ's down 42. I got two events coming up in Walnut Creek. I'm down to my last three events for the year. Next year, at some point in time, I'm going to discontinue doing the Money 101s. Just I do them on Saturdays, and I just want to give up. I want to stop giving up my Saturdays. So this is my last, probably my last Saturday event, or close to it. Maybe I'll do a couple next year. Uh, but I think I did five or six this year, and I just I don't like giving up my Saturdays anymore. So anyway, Money 101, all things financial, workshops for younger people, people who are accumulating wealth, talk insurance, 401ks, IRAs, diversification. In the afternoon, it's wealth preservation, retirement planning. That's October 26th, Walnut Creek. You can sign up for either event at robblack.com. Stocks are fluctuating after the S&P 500. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money. On AM 1220, KDOW. 
Welcome back in. It's Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. For baseball fans, it's the most wonderful time of the year. If your team's in the hunt for October. Playoffs are underway. Eight lucky and skilled teams have made the case for the chase of being legitimate for a World Series title. Um, top baseball salaries for 2013. Alex Rodriguez, $29 million. No playoffs. Cliff Lee, Philadelphia Phillies, $25 million. No playoffs. Then you can go Johan Santana, Vernon Wells, CC Spathia, Mark Teixeira, Prince Fielder. Okay, he's in with Detroit. Then you got Joe Maurer, Tim Lincecum. Tim Lincecum made $22 million this year. Adrian Gonzalez, oh, he's in. So only two teams managed to have major salaries, you know, the mega salaries, get into the playoffs. Um, Oakland managed to make it with just $60 million in salaries, which was 27th out of 30 teams. Tampa Bay spent even less with $57 million. Now, pain sometimes does work. The Dodgers paid $220 million and ran away with the crown in the West. Just throwing it out at you. Um, default coming up. We kind of expect, don't expect. Uh, SP 500 down 7, the Dow's down 60, the NASDAQ down 39. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Tony specializes in mortgage lending. He also has a show here on KDOW, Tuesdays at 6 p.m. That's, again, all about real estate and lending and how to get the loan for the home of your dreams. Tony, we have seen a virtual cycle play out numerous times, it feels like. Adjustable rate mortgages were popular. Then they became un- then they got to kind of the point where they turned into hybrids where, you know, no document loans. And then we got back to let's kill those off for a while and go to 30 years and 15 years. Uh, real estate prices are down. People go with a 30. Real estate prices are up. They go with the arm. What's an arm? Well, it's an adjustable rate mortgage, and you can it's amortized for 30 years, which means your payments are going to be calculated over a 30-year period based on whatever rate you have at the time. A three-year arm, for example, means you're fixed for three years, and then after the third year, you become an adjustable. And you can adjust quite a bit based on a certain index. That index could be anything from the LIBOR to one of the Treasury uh, um, accounts so, or indexes. So it's not meant for everybody because after that fixed period, your payments could go up dramatically. So it's, it's a specific product that people use as a tool to keep their payments lower. That's the number one advantage of an arm adjustable rate mortgage, is that the rate's going to be about a half a point, sometimes a point lower than what you get on a 30-year fix. The shorter the term arm, or the arm term, the lower the rate. So let's say you're staying in your house for three years. Right. And get a three-year arm. Why would you get a 30-year fix at a point higher than and then a thirty-year than a three-year arm and save you know $10,000 over that period of time? So that's why an arm makes sense. Does the property come into play? For instance, can you get an arm on a condo or townhouse? Um, you can, but an arm is a riskier product, so you need higher credit scores. You right. need higher equity. Uh, you know, in a lot of cases, you need 25% or more equity to get an arm, even though lately... Jumbo arms have become more aggressive. You can go up to 80%, but over 80%, you're done unless you get an FHA loan, which are pricey to begin with. It kind of negates the benefit of having an arm. And part of the whole cycle, again, is at some point in time, you're going to be able to get up to 103% on all these products because 
we get to the point where we keep loosening standards, loosening standards, loosening standards. Disaster. Disaster. Tight. And then we tighten standards, and then we loosen them, loosen them, loosen them. This was a pretty tragic event that happened uh, to the housing industry, and, and they've be- since then become over-regulated. And it's going to continue getting tougher, but it right now I'd say we're about what we were in 99 to 2000 as far as guidelines. And then, you know, you know what, hit the fan and... Lenders started going crazy with the NEGAM loans, loans that would actually increase your balance based on a start rate of like 1%. Those aren't going to come back. So we're going to be a little bit more conservative as far as the type of products available and close some of the doors on on risky products like the the NEGAM. Uh, I guess I just said the same thing over, but it really does emphasize that lenders are scared about selling these products back to the the secondary market, and they're going to continue being over-regulated and over uh, um, criticize your loan scenario. Speaking with Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com, how often or how much money do you make? Is it different for an arm versus a 15-year versus a 30-year? It, it, it's not. Okay. Uh, one of the things that did change is the way that lenders and loan officers and brokers are compensated so that they charge the same for each scenario. Um, but in the past, uh, we used to have lenders that co- came to our office and they would promote certain products, not the ones that were the best for the client, but the best for the loan officer to make the most money. That's where we got in the most trouble is loan officers were looking to make the most money and selling the wrong products to the clients. That's gone away. So what else should we know about that cash scenario or about the real the scenario where you use a lender, you want them to make money, but you don't want them to make too much money. And you don't want them to make nothing because then they're not going to really work for you and get to know you. Right. The first thing you want to do is just make sure that you have the right scenario. Good credit. You want equity in your property. Good income. And you don't want to stray off of that path because there are some, you know, you have to use FHA. You have to use a private money loan. You want to stick in the mainstream. That's why I'm worried about this private sector um, funding that Obama's trying to push, it's, it could make it a lot worse for people in higher rates. So you want to first make sure your scenario is correct, and then you want to do some shopping. I like using a broker because brokers use several different lenders that could fit your scenario into their slot, where if you did it on your own and you tried to go to one lender and then another lender, you're running your credit more often and you may not hit the right lender that has the right scenario. So there are several things that you can do to make sure that you ensure that you end up with the right pricing, Get a good faith estimate. Make sure you shop on the right the same day uh, because rates change quite often. And there's some quite a few other tools that you can use. Thanks very much. You can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Getting to know the right product, getting to know the right lender, I think is critical. You do not want to be in a scenario where you go into a bank and try to get a loan because you're not going to get the product that's right for you. You're going to get the product that they want to push to you. You're listening to me, Rob Black. That's Tony Mendez, and you can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. A couple quick things to think about at a time when the market may have you worried. Just have a plan. Like, I like Verizon in a good economy or bad economy. I expect growth to be higher now that it owns all of its wireless business. It gets you a 5% dividend yield. It's not far from it. I think it's a steal at these prices. Vintas, they're an owner of senior housing and healthcare facilities. Nice dividend play. Baby boomers can continue to get older. Campbell's Soup. Soup and snacks. See, if you take a look at Campbell's website and look at their brands, they're a lot more than just soup. Altria, people are going to smoke in good economies, bad economies. So those are some of the names that you know you should have on your list. Water utilities, electricity utilities. 
your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Got two events coming up in Walnut Creek on the 26th Saturday. Coming up, one for wealth creation, one for wealth preservation. You can learn more about the event at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. And your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Black here, money. I'm not black. Let's talk all things financial money, investing, and more. One of the things I like to try to play with is the concept of the future. It's sometimes a loser's game, you know, because things change dynamically. A friend of mine is super big into the bachelor, bachelorette, to the point that she actually goes out of her way to watch it live that day because she doesn't want to be spoiled about what happened. I went out of my way to make sure that I saw Breaking Bad within 24 hours so that I wouldn't hear what happened. TiVo and web services make it super easy to watch whatever you want whenever you want to watch. Except for sports and things that might have spoilers. Whether it's Twitter or Facebook, it's kind of forced you to watch it live that day. So, Sharks win. They start 3-0. It'll be on someone's Facebook page tonight as I'm falling asleep. Can't watch it tomorrow, kind of thing. Like, I already know if we, like, who wants to watch a team lose, kind of thing, right? So, that's one of the surprising side effects of social media, which, on one hand, I can tell you that 100 million Americans can check their Facebook tonight before they go to bed, sometime between 8 and 11 p.m. That's a lot of people. If you added up ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, everyone on Comcast, everyone on Media General, everyone on Cablevision, it's 44 million people from 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. Facebook crushes them. So on one hand, advertisers are going to go to Facebook, right? But for the TV audience, that's a good thing because it's a lifeline. U.S. cable and satellite TV subscriptions are expected to decline in 2013 for the first time ever, dropping to 100.8 million from 100.9 million. Doesn't sound like much, but again, it's a saturated market. Twitter and Facebook, that's where the live audiences are. And TV has to get there as well, so they have to embrace Twitter. They have to. You know, tweeting about twerking is the story here. People were tweeting about Miley, and people were going, i got to see this. It's a great symbiotic relationship where we drive the conversation on Twitter, and that 
conversation on Twitter drives people back to watch shows. That show that night generated about 18.5 million tweets, the VMA, the Video Music Awards, accounting for about 90% of the Twitter conversation about TV that evening. The show's ratings were up 53% from the previous year. So this mitigates a little of the concern. It kind of says, well, maybe cable and satellite aren't going to die. Maybe Netflix isn't going to steal the crown and just be part of it. Major TV networks collected a massive drop in viewers last season, down 7.2%. You know, Breaking Bad drew the biggest Twitter audience of any TV show last week, according to Nielsen. So Nielsen's now looking at Twitter audiences. Another one that went viral that Twitter has to thank is Sharknado. Sci-Fi Network's owned by NBC Universal. Now again, we are still eagerly waiting Sharknado 2. A film about a freak tornado that lifts sharks out of the ocean and shoots them throughout neighborhoods of L.A. Spawned over 700,000 tweets while attracting only 1.4 million television viewers. CBS's series Under the Dome inspired 126. 126,000 Twitter posts. No one really owns the hashtag, so a lot of companies can get in on the advertising. Television still attracts more advertising dollars than the Internet. That's changing. So I do like Facebook long-term. I'm probably going to like uh, Twitter. It's too early to say, but probably. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. If you have questions, I'll do my best to give you some answers. I think as a financial show, I do my best to try to blend conversation so that everyone can get something out of it, or maybe you can start thinking about what your future looks like. Um, you know, the one that shocks me the most was the, what am I going to do in retirement? What's someone turn the table on me? I don't know yet. But I need to really start imagining what it looks like and start putting together my budget. Um, some of the myths out there tied towards car leases drive me crazy. 30% of car transactions, new car transactions, are tied towards leases. As manufacturers have figured out the cash rebates they offered were hurting resale values, and as the credit spigot began to flow freely again, car makers have shifted incentives from rebates to low interest financing and leases. So, leasing is a bad deal. That's a myth. If you keep a car well past the day the loan is paid off, you'll save money by buying, right? But if you trade in your car before the loan's paid off, the value of the trade-in is unlikely to cover the remaining balance on the loan. So it really depends on how long you're going to keep the vehicle. But, you know, again, the miles are important, too. So if you're a big-time driver, you don't want a lease. So it's nearly impossible to negotiate a good lease. That's not true as well. You need to understand the jargon, though. The jargon on a lease is our capitalized cost, residual value, and money factor. Capitalized cost is the price of the vehicle. You should haggle over this figure just as hard as you would haggle over it if you were buying it. Capitalized cost is the number one thing. Money factor, the lower the number, the better. 
you have to multiply it by 2400 to get an estimate of the interest rate. Dealers are sometimes very reluctant to reveal the money factor, so be persistent. Residual value, that's the value of the car or the truck at the end of the lease. There's a very good website called Lease Compare. Lease Compare, it's easy for you to figure out where you should be in the lease. Shop for your lease at the dealer, banks, and credit unions, focusing on the money factor and the residual value. Tax laws allow businesses to deduct monthly leasing payments as an expense, but individuals get a tax break too in most states. A lot of people don't know this. You pay sales tax only on the monthly payments, not on the vehicle price. So if you bought a new car in the state of California, you pay that you know, 9% sales tax out versus leasing. It can make sense in California to lease. You know, the heavy fees that you pay when you turn in the car, the typical annual allotment of between 10,000 and 15,000 miles seems a little bit stingy to people. The 20 to 25 cents per mile penalty for exceeding that seems daunting. But if you buy a car and you put a lot of miles on it, you're penalized for higher than average miles that you put on it in your trade-in. So it's the same concept. You could negotiate a higher mileage limit in exchange for a higher monthly payment and still save money. So you really have to do the math and, and, and get comfortable. LeaseCompare.com. Um, LeaseWise is another website that I would consider when shopping for a lease on a vehicle. Several fee-based websites, including Lease Trader and Swap a Lease, match people who want to get out of a lease early with those who want to assume a short-term lease. You pay 90 bucks, post your vehicle, $250 to complete the transfer of the lease, and you're out. So they are not necessarily something you get stuck in. Again, they're not for everyone. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. People are giving up their cars in the United States. And that's part of the whole lease angle thing. The lease angle thing is also tied towards people can't really afford a new car, but they want the new car smell. So it's a little bit more complicated than I'm making out. Ever since the end of World War II, Americans shared a similar aspiration to own an automobile, but shifts in demographics and lifestyles mean that for the first time in 50 years, the number of families without a car is up. Um, I think that's great. The share of American families without a car had been declining since 1960. It hit an all-time low at 8.7% in 2007, but in 2011, the number stands in 0.9.3. Roughly 1 in 10 families don't have a car. You know, it's a minority, but it's still a trend. Um, The overall drop in driving is one of the trends that's happening there. Some of that's due to the high cost of owning and maintaining a car. Changes in alternatives to travel, such as you know communication substitution for travel. Renewed interest in availability of options, such as transit, bike, walk. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. 800-516-1220. Say 800-516-1220. Going to be doing an event coming up in Walnut Creek at 26th of October. One for learning how to accumulate wealth. I want to get you at least to a million to two million dollars for your retirement nest egg. And then one for managing that nest egg. 
So two very different events. You can learn the descriptions of each by going to robblack.com. It's robblack.com. It's a couple Saturdays from now. Three Saturdays, I believe. The 26th of October. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Budget stalemate continues. Countries that lend us money are urging us to not do this. Companies like Japan and China. The S&P 500 is down 12. The Dow is down 86. The NASDAQ is down 60. Carl Icahn takes a stake in a company called Talisman Energy. He seems to be winning some uh, bets this year more often than not. Doing very, 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 very well with Nuance. Um, Apple, he's done pretty well with. couple things to talk about, you know. I don't know. The shutdown merges with debt debate. Senators are starting to talk a little bit more. There seems to be some headway going on here. A couple of Republicans open to a clean bill are starting to emerge. John McCain, Mark Kirk, Lisa Murkowski. Tentative steps towards a path of raising the government's debt limit, even as rhetoric between Obama and the Republican leaders grow more divisive. Obama's elected to be president. His job is to represent the people, even the people he doesn't like. Um, So it's kind of a strange debate that's going on at this point in time. It's just odd. Um, To get... Your call's on the air. It's 800-516-1220. At a point in time right now is probably when I would be most nervous about some of the momentum stocks. A lot of people, if you're expecting a big pullback in the market, or not, you know, they'll book some profits. You know, the one that I'm seeing today getting hit particularly hard is LinkedIn. $25 billion market cap. PE doesn't make sense. Tesla doesn't make sense. Companies that everyone's made money in, they're the first to get shot in a market down. They're also the first to recover after that market down move. So Tesla's down eight today, sitting so at 174. You know, yesterday was at 182, which basically means close to its all time high. Those are the companies that make me the most nervous right now. The companies like Procter and Gamble, they don't. You know, I, I threw out some names as ideas for you. Um, not anything else. You know, just basic, simple ideas. Uh, the shutdown is starting to snarl the mortgage market. And how is that so? Well, lenders, you know, they're still in business, right? They're acting very cautious right now after 
the mortgage meltdown years ago. They check with the IRS to make sure borrowers earn as much as they claim. The IRS will provide confirmations if the borrowers have given written permission, but since the shutdown, the IRS has stopped doing so. Banks also ask the Social Security Administration to verify identities. Mm, Guess what's not getting done there either. The federal government has a bigger share of the mortgage market. This housing crisis versus last. About a quarter of all mortgages for buying homes are made through FHA, which provides insurance to borrowers so they can make lower down payments. The Veterans Benefits Administration and the U.S. Department of Agriculture both also run mortgage programs. So one of the pillars, one of the strengths of our economy has been the autos and real estate. So we don't want to lose that. That's one of the reasons this stalemate will get done. It's just too pervasive uh, for it not to. We got down markets. Uh, taking a look at some stories. Earnings season kicks off tonight with Alcoa and Yum Brands. But like Patrick O'Hare, chief market analyst with Briefing.com, said earlier, not as important Alcoa as it used to be because they're no longer a member of the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Um, Priceline.com is down 25. Facebook's down 2. Netflix down 10. Tesla down 4. Again, showing you the darling momentum stocks are notable in decline. J.C. Penney's is a winner in large part. Um, why is why are they a winner? Oh, they basically said they're going to end the year with over $2 billion cash flow, and a lot of people were worried about that. Eighth day of the shutdown. Buyers are lacking conviction. There's weakness in the tech sector. Strength in consumer staples and utilities. People are positioning themselves in case they need to. Um, in They're keeping their cash in the market. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um... I don't think there's really all that much else that we have to beat right now. Number of mortgages and foreclosure down. The IMF cut growth forecast for the emerging world. They basically uh, maintain their forecast for advanced economies, but IMF is predicting emerging countries would average 4.5% growth year over year, down from 5% three months ago. So it also cut its outlook for emerging world growth in 2014, down to 5.1%. That's pretty good growth. Michael Kors has passed the market valuation of Ralph Lauren pretty fast. Samsung loses a bid with President Barack Obama for a veto of Apple One import bans. Samsung must stop importing some models of smartphones and tablet computers in the U.S. Will Ferrell stays classy. He's uh, getting ready to launch his new movie, The Ron Burgundy Affair, Anchorman. Uh, But he's pitching ads for Dodge Durango, which I think is genius because... The people that see Ron Burgundy films are the people that Dodge Durango wants to sell trucks to. Uh, Google unveiled a HP laptop for $279. The kicker is it's a damn good laptop. Wow. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in there. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Don't forget, i got two events coming up at Walnut Creek. One on Wealth Accumulation Money 101 and one on Wealth Management and Retirement Planning. It's the 26th of this month. Sign up. It's in Walnut Creek, robblack.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network. This. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.